This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the TSN MMA Show. It's our second edition of the week. There's been a lot of news since the last show. Well, not just because of that. I was going to do the show anyways, but whatever. Let's be, let's be transparent here. I was going to do the show regardless. But it's a more exciting show because we have some news that came down yesterday. Uh, reported originally by Combat and then uh, also by ESPN after that about Joanna Janjacek and some situations regarding her not potentially being able to make weight for this event, UFC Fight Night in Tampa, Florida, headlined by herself, Joanna Janjacek, five rounds against Michelle Watterson. Now, here's how the re- report broke down. Initially, it was that she was unable to, she was told the UFC she was likely unable to make the weight. Watterson's team rejected the idea of making the fight a catchweight, which still means that Joanna would have to, like, you know, if this fight continues, and it appears that that's, of course, the way that it's going to be, she she's going to have to cut down to 116 in order to make the weight and not give up a, a part of her purse. I, that's smart maneuvering on the part of Michelle Watterson. Watterson has also since said that she wants to fight Joanna, but, you know, if there is an issue with the weight where she's, a, too heavy, and B, won't commit to weighing a certain amount on fight day that she would consider pulling out of the fight. But apparently the options presented to her were uh, Mackenzie Dern or Amanda Rebus, who are both expected to make 115, uh, 116, whatever, the, you know, with the pound allowance, or to move to UFC 224 and face Jessica Andrade. She turned down the uh, fights with Rebus and Dern immediately, again, according to these reports. And then the UFC said, okay, you've either got to fight Ioana um, at a catchweight or you've got to face Andrade at UFC 224. Now, since then, the dust has settled quite a bit. We're now at a stage where Ioana Janjacek, who's going to join us on the show later today, is going to attempt to make the weight. And from all indications, it looks like it's trending in the right direction. So this report has become something of a non-story, but it's still something to look at because there's going to be a lot of drama at tomorrow's weigh-ins, that's for sure. And if I feel like this news story and following it and tracking it and watching it all unfold has helped make this event more exciting. I know that it's just drama, it's just, you know, it's behind-the-scenes stuff, but I'm, you know, it's made me pay so much more attention to this division than I was at the beginning of this week. Not to say that it's not a good division, it's the best division in women's MMA right now in the UFC, in my opinion. And I think that that's probably the opinion of many. In terms of competitiveness, I think that there's no better division than this 115 division. The 125 division coming along didn't seem to uh, take away from the 115 division, but it did take away from a lot from the 135 division. So with that in mind, you look at this particular event now, and again, there's a lot of uh, a lot to watch now because you've got Janjacek and Watterson, both of whom are trying to become the number one contender. For the title shot against Zhang Veili, Tatiana Suarez is in the mix. She's back to training, but apparently is not able to do full sparring yet. She's still recovering from a neck injury. So the the stakes are high in this fight. It's a I think it's a really really uh, a really good fight, and I think Yanjechik versus Waterson is a good fight to determine the number one contender if Suarez is not healthy. I think Suarez should be the next in line, but it seems like she wants to take some time off given how she looked in her last fight. I mean, she was looking good. It seemed like the injury crept up on her during the fight, and then she almost ended up losing to Nina Ansarov. It's the most human she's looked since she's entered the uh, the UFC. 
in terms of her in-cage work. So now you look at this particular fight, and we've got a lot of uh, interesting stories around it, considering we don't know what's going to happen. Angela Hill's name was also mentioned. I should uh, add that as a potential replacement for Watterson should she not accept the fight with Joanna if they want to salvage that main event. But uh, I don't know if she's flying to Florida to attempt to make weight. Uh, that's still a, a question, I'd imagine. But who knows? We're also going to have uh, Mackenzie Dern on the show today. Four months ago, she gave birth to a baby girl, and now she's in the octagon. That's pretty inspiring. That is, as somebody who's been uh, with my wife for three childbirths and seeing the lack of sleep and all of that that goes into it and all the, uh, you know, how much a baby needs to have you with them all the time and, uh, you know, to be catered to and attended to, I think it's certainly incredible that uh, Mackenzie Dern is able to do this. Win or lose, uh, you know, even if she gets blown out in the first round, the idea that she's able to go work out, try to make weight, all of that, I think is a, a real inspiration for anybody, uh, you know, man, woman, anybody who has seen what uh, child rearing and childbirth is like. So kudos to Mackenzie Dern, because uh, I don't, you know, I was cynical when I saw that uh, she wanted to come back soon. I didn't think that she was going to be able to do it, and now here she is. And not only that, it seems like her weight is at the best it's ever looked from um, a weigh-in standpoint in her UFC career. It looks like this 115 is going to be, 115, 116, whatever, is going to be easy for her, which is great. It's going to silence a lot of doubts around her. If she goes out and gets a win four months after having a baby, makes weight easily, that's a whole new ballgame for Mackenzie Dern. She, she had something, become something of an afterthought uh, once she went away uh, to have her baby. Uh, you know, usually that kind of thing takes a while. Like you, you expect her to be away from two years. She was considered one of the best prospects in the division. Now here she is. She's back. And uh, that's pretty incredible. So kudos to Mackenzie Dern, and we're going to talk a little bit later on on the show. But uh, I just want to say that uh, this has been uh, an interesting week because of this, this one story surrounding Joanna. Uh, and if she does make weight, I think that, that you can just uh, you know go ahead and we can stop talking about this because, and stop talking about weight being such a big issue for her because she's never missed weight. So if she goes ahead and makes weight, you know, there's nothing really to talk about. The odds on her in this fight, minus 325, Watterson plus 265. But to me, if, if you're looking at this fight, I think the best value is uh, Joanna by TKO and KO is plus 435. Like, she's got five rounds to put Michelle Watterson away. And uh, I think that's ample time if, if this fight is contested mostly on the feet for her to do so. Not to take anything away from Watterson, I think she's a very talented fighter, but if this is a striking matchup where I, you know, and I expect it to be contested mostly on the feet, I think that, um, you know, she's going to have a pretty clear advantage. Now, if you look at uh, the losses that Michelle Watterson has had, she's only been KO'd once against someone named Alina Reed at Apache Gold Extreme Beatdown more than 10 years ago. Everybody remembers Apache Gold Extreme Beatdown, right? But uh, she has lost twice by submission since then. And uh, also lost once by submission really early in her career in 07. But, uh, you know, she's, she's tough to put away. But we're talking about Joanna Janjacek here. 
And uh, Joanna Jacek is one of the most fearsome strikers in the division, possibly the most fearsome striker in the division, given what she did to uh, Jessica Andrade. Um, well, maybe not fearsome. If you're looking at fearsome, you've got to look at the power of Andrade and now the power of Zhang Veili. But in terms of striking, uh, you know, I don't think that there's uh, anybody who's as good as Joanna Jacek from a technical standpoint in this division. I think that her striking is off the charts and uh, her volume is phenomenal. Her spacing is is really good in terms of uh, the distance. She's good at distance control. I think that if you look at the wins that Watterson's had, they're, they're good wins. Karolina Kovalkiewicz, Herrig, Courtney Casey, those are her three wins in a row. Lost to Tisha Torres, who Joanna's, that's Joanna's most recent win at uh, strawweight is Tisha Torres. Uh, lost to Rose Namajunas, who Joanna has also twice lost to. Uh, and uh, that's it for her UFC losses. She's 5-2 and two in the UFC. She's got a good resume. Wins over Paige Van Zandt and uh, Angela Magana. So I think that she's got a really good resume, and I think that Ioana Janjacek, uh has a phenomenal resume, obviously, with her, uh, her five title defenses, which is the second most in women's MMA history behind Ronda Rousey, who had six. And her resume is really good, too. Wins over Tija Torres, Andrade, Carolina... Claudia Gadelia twice. Carla Esparza to win the championship. These are good wins. Valerie Letourneau. Now, she hasn't really beaten any of these new up-and-comers in the division, uh, aside from Andrade. She, you know, she hasn't really beaten a, uh, you know, a, uh, Tatiana Suarez, for example, or a Zhang Veli or Rose. So I think a lot of people don't give her enough credit for what she has done. If you look at the, the striking differential that she has... Um, you go to like the fight metric or whatever, UFC stats, as they call it now. It's pretty uh, incredible what her strike differential is against pretty much everybody. I mean, she got outstruck uh, in terms of volume by Shevchenko. She got outstruck by Rose in the fight that she lost in the first round, and that's whatever, that's a one-round fight. But every, I mean, against Esparza, 53-4. to four. Against Panay, 126-25. to 25. Against Letourneau, 220-103. to 103. Gedalia, 176-63 to 63 the first time. Uh, sorry, that's the second time, rather. Um, 171 to 50 against Carolina, 225 to 83 against Andrade. And then the last time she fought Rose was 145 to 105, and then over Torres, 62 to 33. Her output is tremendous 6.07 strikes landed per minute, 2.77 strikes absorbed per minute. I mean, she is. Uh, we need to remember just how good Joanna Jajic is. You know, people say, oh, she's washed. You know, she hasn't been the same since she's lost the title. She, since she's lost the title, she's. One and one as a straw weight, with the only loss coming to the person that she dropped the title to in Rose Namajunas, and zero and one to Shevchenko in in flyweight. And until someone beats Shevchenko in flyweight, I, I have a feeling you don't uh, you don't really have much that you can uh, say regarding Shevchenko being uh, an easy opponent for Joanna and Jacek moving up a weight class. So, and then you look at Waterson and her output; it's it's not that high. So I'm interested to see exactly how she is able to do against Ioanni and Jacek. I, I personally think Ioanni and Jacek has a very big advantage in this fight if she does come in healthy and uh, she is the same Ioanni and Jacek that we're accustomed to. But I think that Michelle Watterson has surprised a lot of people during this run. Like, has she been favored? I think she might have been favored just in the uh, Herrick fight. I'm going to go back and look because I know she's been an underdog in at least one of those fights. I've, I'm certain she was an underdog against Carolina. She was a, a slight underdog, plus 135. Against Herrig, she was a plus 110, so she was an underdog. And against Casey, she was plus 155. 
I don't know if she's ever been favored in the uh, in her UFC career. She was a little bit of a favorite over Van Zant, and she was highly favored over Magana, if I remember actually. She was minus one thousand over Angela Magana. But in recent years, since that Paige Van Zant win, she has not been a favorite um, in a lot of fights, was even against Rose. I think if that fight was made again tomorrow, she'd be a like a plus three hundred underdog against Rose. And that's not, again no no disrespect. I mean, if anything. She's showing this, that it's not disrespectful to call her an underdog because she's winning. You know, maybe she likes being the underdog. She's been in this spot before. She hasn't been this big of an underdog, but she's been in that spot before and she's overcome the odds. She's a very, very tough, tough, durable fighter. But uh, just looking at the numbers, looking at what we know about both these fighters, I think that Ian Jacek is has a pretty marked advantage over her unless Watterson is somehow able to get it to the ground, something that so few fighters have been able to do against Ioana Ian Jacek. Uh, in fact, if you look at Ioana Janjacek's resume, Shevchenko took her down five times. <laughs> but outside of that, it's been very difficult to get her to the ground. Rose did it once. Andrade did it twice. Four times by Gedalia uh, in a fight that I think Ioana won pretty clearly. She wasn't able to keep her down there. And uh, actually, in the, the se- the, her second UFC fight ever against Gedalia, she, uh, that she won, taking down seven times by Gedalia. So, uh, you know, she, she is susceptible to takedown, but she's, she has pretty strong takedown defense which is at 80%. So it's, it'll be tough for Watterson to get her down there. And if this stays on the feet, I think that uh, Njajic is going to have a, a pretty solid advantage. Uh, let's speak to her right now. Joanna Champion, the boogie woman, joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm now joined by Joanna. Joanna Champion. I still call you Joanna Champion. The, uh, the, the most Thank you title so defenses. I'm still the champ. With the belt or without the belt, you know, having physically doesn't mean you're not the champ anymore. If you make it to the, to the league, you're the champ forever. <laughs> well, Jean Dobre to you. It's nice to, to hear your voice. It's been, uh, been some time since you've Thank been... Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been some time since you've been in the octagon. Um, I'm going to get the very annoying question out of the way first. I'm not going to ask yeah. you how your weight cut's going. But what I'm wondering is, did anything I happen? You, I tell you one thing. Was the weigh yesterday? No, no, but I'm, I'm, let is me ask way, you. Is the way today? No, it's not today. No. I just spoke yeah. to Mackenzie Dern. Tomorrow? I just spoke to Mackenzie Dern. She told me that, that you're doing really well, that your weight cut is going, is going great so far this week. Um, I just want to ask you one quick question. Is there anything that happened in the past few weeks that, that might have created a difficulty around it? That's, that's all I'm wondering. Yes, life is all, all about difficulties, you know, every day. Uh, so, yes, yes. You're the type of person that finds motivation in being doubted. Have these reports from this week helped motivate you to prove everybody wrong? Of course. They can throw, they, they, they throw stones at me, you know, but I pick the stones and I cement my fundament. That's what's up, man. This is who I am. I'm a real businesswoman and I'm a real athlete. Uh, I'm, I know who I am and uh, I'm, I'm always taking care of my business from the, from the beginning till the end. Even if I fail, I take care of the business as it should be. All right, no more weight questions. I'll present everybody with the fact that you have never missed weight before. So let's move forward. I want to know what's been going on in your life since last December. You know, since joining the UFC, you fought two or three times every year. This year, likely only once. Um, what have you done during this time off, that, and was it needed to reinvigorate you? Uh, what uh, was the question? What I've been doing? Yeah, what have you been up to? Uh, beautiful, like seven countries on five different continents. Actually, I'm about to visit eight countries on another continent as well. So... Uh, hell yeah, it was a good year, but uh, honestly, I wanted to rest, reset my body physically, mentally, and, and I got to the point where I wanted to be. It's not like I didn't feel the fire anymore, but definitely I feel more fire, I feel more motivated, and I, I feel 
actually before every fight we can fight i'm like i feel like it's my ufc debut you know so i feel so pumped and excited and i always work so hard but the other thing is that uh, i needed that you know i've been working so hard for 16 uh, years people know me from the ufc it's, it's the fifth anniversary uh, of me being in the ufc and then the, the thing is that you know, people don't know that I've been working so hard for so many years. I was giving a lot and I was getting a lot and I always do that. I give as much and get as much, but, you know, it was time for a break. Everyone deserves uh, a break once in a while. And, and uh, I, I went to train to Holland whenever I used to train back in a day for two years from 2008-2010 with legendary Ernesto Huske, one uh, champ. And then, you know, I was back to the roots, but, uh, you know, I... I, I I'm blessed with the American top team, the number donor, Mikey Brown, Hattel Kubis, and other coaches, teammates. So uh, now I uh, I had time to learn, sharp my skills, my tools. Because when you jump from to camp, from when you jump from camp to camp, fight to fight, you don't have time uh, to learn new things. You know, you more focus on 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 uh, you know on your opponent on the fight. And uh, I had the time to change a little bit my game, but. Uh, I haven't changed much. I, I just, I just, I'm just myself. That, that, that's the thing, you know. But I'm stronger. I'm faster. I'm more powerful, uh, more skilled. I train with the with the with the top level athletes. So that's what's up. So I'm gonna say you went to the Netherlands, the U.S. I'm gonna guess Poland. What were the other countries you went to? Uh, actually, you know, uh, it's my year. You know, I, I turned 32, and I promised my friend that. Uh, who is also 32, that it's going to be the best year of our lives. And, and this is what I'm doing, you know. I, I, actually, January 1st, I, I flew to, to Thailand for two weeks. And I, I was to Thailand six times or seven times. And, you know, uh, I love this country too. It's the first country I fell in love with uh, and, and the other things, you know. So um, so was Thailand, then was Zurich, uh, Switzerland, was Melbourne, Australia, was uh, Holland, uh, you know, oh, what else? Yeah, like United States, uh, I was to, oh man, now I don't remember, I was to a few other countries, you know, I was to Denmark, man, a, a busy year, you know, and so I'm very happy, I love to travel, I love photography, I have so many hobbies and passions, and I was focused on myself as a woman, as a human, and, and an athlete, getting better, that, that's it. I'm enjoying my life more because I approach a lot after like getting to the UFC, uh, winning the belt. It was life changing, you know. I made it from nothing to something, and I uh, forgot about myself, enjoying a little bit uh, the life, you know. So this is what I'm doing now. You mentioned that you did so much fighting before you were in the UFC. You mentioned also going to Thailand and going to the Netherlands. Of was, course, I did was... hundred fights in Muay Thai, and I lost maybe like three, four fights. And man, so I've been to Thailand seven times, training over there, you know, spending time. And then I was to Holland. So uh, life on the road. Uh, when I was eighteen, I had to grow so fast because you know I was spending with the ticket, no English, flying to Thailand for three months for the training. Man, that you know, uh, uh, I'm I'm husband. I'm a hustler, you know, since I was a little girl. And I, I had a dream to be the best, and I am. I saw you posted a picture recently. Uh, you were outside of Sawgrass in, in Florida. How did you do? I can't get out of there without spending like $400. Say again? You went to the Sawgrass in, the, in Florida. Yeah. I saw a picture. How, how did you do? Yeah. I, I always spend $400 when I go there. I, I can't get out of there without spending $400. Depends where I go, sometimes it's more. <laughs> <laughs> but I should set. I should set. I I should set some. Uh, start. It, uh, I should start setting some limits. You know, <laughs> if I go to the mall. It's hard. You can't resist those deals. 
It's like 60% it, yeah, off. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's cool, <laughs> man. Uh, because some of the brands are very expensive in Poland. And I'm not into the fashion, but I'm into the fashion, but I have all my own style. I'm, I call myself Miss Sporty. So, and like the style is different here in America than in Europe. European European people, they, they know what's up in fashion, you know. All the biggest brands are from France, Italy. In general, in Europe, we have so many talented designers in Poland. Uh, I just, I'm just wearing a nice dress from, like, Polish designer. Uh, very, very good one. So, uh, yeah, I, I, love, I, love, I love fashion. I love fashion. And, you know, I love mixed colors. I love colors, you know. I don't like to be boring because my life is not boring, you know. You've talked about in interviews the importance of getting rid of toxic people in your life, getting t- toxicity out of your life. How tight is your inner circle right now? Obviously, you have Mike Brown, you've got Gattel, yeah. you've got Phil Daru. How, how yeah, tight like, of a circle do you know, like to keep business, it? This business is all about trust, but uh, sometimes it's difficult to trust. So, uh, you know, I want to only work with the people who are dedicated as me, who are hard workers uh, as me, who, who are on the same page, on the same path, who are... Who are, who, are, who are with me, you know, who are Team Joanna. And, uh, you know, there are people who I thought they were Team Joanna, but they were doing tons of, like, bad things behind my bed, pushing away my family, my friends. And I lost so many relationships, personal as well. But, you know, sometimes we have to uh, lose some people, some relationships, just to, you know, uh, get better, be better. And this is what's happening in my life right now. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed, but I, I just signed with the new management group two months ago, Balenji Group. I'm very excited because I used to manage everything on my own. Now I have the right people, top-level people who are taking care of my business, and, and, and I just love it, you know. I just love it. It seems a lot of people have moved over to Balenji Group. What makes them so so good at what they do? I, I know you've been with yeah, Paradigm and, in the past. And so and... many people, they have, like, top-level athletes, and, like, they are at moving and moving to Balenji Group and that's a good point and because they are just the best you know they are like pro 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 you know like you hear all the time like oh we're the best we're the most pro we have the most athletes, but they're not doing nothing you know so I'm very blessed with Balenji and I cannot wait uh, what the next what what the next uh, weeks are going to to bring for for us as a team, you know? I'm I'm very happy uh, that I can work with them because I know they are experienced, they are honest people. Uh, they you know, we, when I do business, what I have learned for so many years that you have to like try to understand your business partner as well. You know, you have to you cannot be only focused on on your income, on your stuff, on your things because there is the other side who is like talking to you, who is negotiating with you. So you need to understand each other. And I know that Balenji is like are the right people who are like lawyers, uh, uh, like graduated like managers, uh, and you know they are the right people. Just they are the perfect fit for me. And is, for so many athletes, is a title shot written into this this contract for this particular fight? I would not sign this agreement. I would not sign agreement for this fight if this fight was not for the belt. So we are going for the belt after this fight. If if that does all play out, you know, you make weight, you get the win. How much time would you like to take if, before fighting for the title? If I make a weight, I'm making a weight. When you make weight, when you get the win, <laughs> how much time would you like to take before you fight not for the when title? I get the win, man. <laughs> like you making a weight, you winning the fight, and what do you want to ask for about? 
I'm saying how much time would you like to take before you fight for the title after, how much after time? this? After I step on skate tomorrow and I make weight and I win the fight on Saturday, I can fight as soon as possible if a weight is not going to be available. If I'm not going to be injured, if I will finish uh, Michelle Waterson, here can be it because I can play with her five rounds. I can finish her in the first, second round. So if I win quick and I will have no, no, no injuries, I can fight even this year for the strawweight belt. Well, this year, that's that's very ambitious, but we've seen you yes. do this before. <laughs> we've seen you turn it around of quickly. Of course, man. But, you know, I, 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 I think that she needs to take some of, like, you know, sometimes people want to hurry things. And, like, becoming a champion, it means a lot. But you have to be with so many obligations, you know, with so so much destruction, you know. So it's better to take your time off. Like, and, and, and Jessica Andras is a perfect example, you know. She lost the best so quick. She won, she lost, you know. So... That's what's up, you know. It's not easy to become the champ, but definitely it's more difficult to deal with all of this. Yeah, I was going to mention that next. Since you lost the belt two years ago, there's already been three champions. So do you like to see that? It shows how hard it is to maintain greatness well, in this it division. Just, it just shows how uh, that I was the right person in the right spot. It shows that, uh, I, you know, I'm still the best uh, in the strawweight division. And that's the point. Like, these girls cannot defend the belt even once. Like, Rose did that, you know. And like I did it for five times, five successful title defenses. Ronda Rosie's only only Ronda Rosie is better with the six title defenses. So it means, you know, I'm still the top of the top. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing uh, how things play Thank out on so Saturday, and uh, hopefully we do get to see you turn it around quickly for a title shot. That would be lots of Appreciate fun to see. You. Thank you so so much. All right. Thanks, Joanna. Bye. That was Joanna Yanjacek. She's fired up. She's ready to go. You know, I posted on Twitter that uh, I had spoken to her and that she mentioned that she's now motiva- motivated by people doubting that she can make 116. People were like, she should be motivated because she signed a contract. She, she should be motivated anyways. It's okay to get external motivation from other places. It's what they call bulletin board material in sports. A lot of athletes can be inspired, motivated by different things. Now, I also think that people are overlooking something here. Just because Joanna requested that the fight be a catchweight, her opponent, you know, she goes into that not knowing whether her opponent's going to say yes or no. So when her opponent says no, I'm not going to do a catchweight, you just offered it. You know, it doesn't mean that you that's a hard and fast rule that you're going to go with a catchweight. You have to have a catchweight. And Joanna acknowledged in the interview that something did happen weeks ago that led her to believe that cutting weight would be a problem. So when she sees all of... I mean, this report leaks out somehow. I don't know if it was from one of the managers of another fighter or or who put this report out, like, you know, who leaked this information to the different reporters, whoever it was covering it. I, you know, I did get a source on it as well. But regardless of that, once that becomes public, that can become an inspiration or a motivation to a fighter. Where, where her thought is because she offered a catchweight fight, everybody doubts that she can make 116, so she's not going to be able to make weight. If she went to the UFC weeks ago and said, I don't know if I'm going to make the weight. Let's try to make this a catchweight. They go to Watterson's camp. Watterson's camp says no. That doesn't end the conversation there. That doesn't mean necessarily that they have to bring in Angela Hill to fight Joanna at a catchweight. Joanna's team probably has to decide, well, they're not going to take a catchweight. What do we do? And maybe their answer to that is, well, let's try to make weight. We offered. We, don't, we, we think we're going to have some difficulty, but we offered. 
And it was clear from Joanna during this interview, I mean, we're less than 24 hours from the weigh-in, uh, she's agitated. <laughs> she's, she's not happy about, A, having to cut all the weight, B, all the reports about her, C, having to answer questions about all the weight. That's why I was insistent on just that one question off the top. I don't want to ask her what she weighs now. I don't care. I don't want to ask her you know, how her weight cut's going. I don't care. What I am curious about is whether there was actually something that led her and her team to believe that there might be an issue. That's all. And she acknowledged that. She admitted that. Now the rest is up to her. I don't need to chase her down and be like, hey, hey, oh, what are you weighing? Hey, what, answer the question. It doesn't matter what she weighs right now. It does not matter. She can weigh 130 pounds right now. If she's competent, she can cut 14 pounds in 24 hours more power to her. And from all indications, it looks like she's probably going to make the weight. That's what it seems right now. Today at Friday, uh, Thursday at 1.43 p.m. Eastern Time, reports are indicating, you know, from on the ground, that it's a uh, likelihood that she's going to make the weight. So let's just, you know, let's just uh, walk it back a little bit. Let's just let her do her thing. She keeps saying the, the weigh-ins aren't t- today. The weigh-ins aren't today. She's right. She's absolutely right. The weigh-ins are Friday morning. Friday morning is when we will know whether or not she makes weight. If she weighs in at 122 pounds and Waterson turns down the fight, then that's the end result. She weighs in at 117 and Waterson takes the fight and says you need to weigh a certain amount on Sunday and she's amenable to those terms. That's, that's how it's going to play out. The reason the report was pretty juicy was because we weren't sure what was happening with the main event. We weren't sure if Waterson was going to pull out and fight in New York and Angela Hill was going to come in for this event. We, we had no clue what was going to happen. That's why there's so much you know, drama surrounding this particular moment because everybody's curious what's going to happen with the main event. But as of today, Thursday afternoon, the main event is still on, you know, pending what happens next. Waterson's still there. She's doing open workouts. She's doing media scrums. Joanna the same, doing open me- open. Doing media scrums, not thrilled about all the questions about the waist, shutting him down pretty quickly. And that's fine. That's her up to her. She can do that. Ioana Jacek, uh, you know, has a bit of a reputation. A lot of people think that she's arrogant. I've spent time with her outside of, you know, this media, you know, scrums and all of that. And she is a, a very, very down-to-earth person. She, like she mentioned, she's into photography. She's into traveling. She's, she's just about happiness. She's about making sure that her life is happy. When this kind of drama, you know, is on any human being, they're not going to be happy. They're going to be very unhappy. And I think it's more, uh, you know, it's, it's within her rights to react in the way that she's reacting. So, uh, you know, I think everybody just, again, just walk it back a little bit. Walk it back. Let's relax. Let's, you know, let's be mellow here. Let's take a look at uh, some of the other fights on this card. A lot of these are being forgotten. I like the J.J. Aldrich-Lauren uh, Mueller fight. I think it's Mueller, actually. Mueller, anyone? Mueller? I think that uh, J.J. Aldrich faced Macy Barber last time and looked really good in that first round. Ended up losing the fight, but I think still uh, had a good account for herself. She's, she's moved up to 125. She might be a little bit small for that division. I thought she was actually kind of small for 115. You got Marvin Vittori against Andrew Sanchez. As I mentioned on the podcast earlier this week, I, I think that that number, the plus 275, is off for Sanchez. I think Sanchez is a, a far better fighter than this number indicates. Not that Marvin, you know, when people look at Marvin Vittori and they think about the fight that he had with Israel Adesanya, where he gave Israel Adesanya a lot of problems and won a round against him. That's all well and good, but 
I think Andrew Sanchez, you, you know, you're looking at a, a completely different type of fighter. You're looking at a, a mostly takedown-oriented fighter. Like, you look at his last fight against uh, Feheja, and that's not really a, a guy that's going to really threaten takedowns as much as an Andrew Sanchez. Now, Vittori ha- was taken down four times by Antonio Carlos Jr. That was a long time ago, about almost three years ago. So you can't really look at that as uh, something that is indicative of his takedown defense. But, uh, you know, I also think Andrew Sanchez is a far better wrestler than Antonio Carlos Jr. We'll give him more problems in that regard. I mean, that's basically all this, what this fight is, right? Like, Andrew Sanchez, I think, can take a shot. We saw him against Marc-Andre Berrio, and he's also a very, very strategic fighter. The prop on Sanchez by decision is about plus 415, and I think that that's, uh, there's some value there, for sure. Another fight I like is this Davis and Figueredo against Tim Elliott fight. Now, I spoke to Tim Elliott earlier in the week. You can hear that interview if you missed the uh, podcast earlier this week. Uh, Davis and Figueredo came out and said that he thinks that the winner of this fight should fight Joe Benavides for the interim flyweight championship. Now, I think that the flyweight championship is a, a big question mark right now. I think Henry Cejudo needs to meet with the UFC and make his motives known as to what he wants to do next. Let, let everybody know exactly what he's going to do. Then you look at uh, Ryan Spann versus Devin Clark. That's a fun one, too. Ryan Spann is uh, one heck of a fighter. I think he's 2-0 in the UFC. And uh, he actually lost on the first Contender Series to Carl Roberson, the first season of the Contender Series to Carl Roberson. Came back and ended up beating Emiliano Sordi. And is also on uh, Fortis MMA. Now, Fortis MMA is coming off a loss, which is rare for them with Macy Chasson losing, but uh, it's hard to bet against anybody that's uh, on Fortis MMA. I mean, that that team is just, they win, win, win. Nico Price against James Vick. This is a fun one as well, because uh, I think that James Vick is uh, an interesting matchup for Nico Price. You know, as I mentioned again earlier in the week to Nick Baldwin, James Vick has uh, been knocked out a lot in, in pretty spectacular fashion. Nico Price is a knockout artist. Now, that doesn't mean that James Vick is going to get brutally knocked out by Nico Price. It could happen. But James Vick is a guy that I think at 170 is going to have a really the right frame for... This is probably where he should have been fighting all along. And with that in mind, I think that uh, it's hard to really read too much into this fight without seeing what James Vick is capable of at the, uh, in the division. Gerald Mearshart against uh, Eric Anders. That's a fun one as well. Matt the Steamroller Frivola against Luis Pena. Pena is a, he's a really fun fighter to watch. We saw him against Matt Wyman, and that, that fight looked like kind of a squash at the end of the day. But uh, I think that Pena's got a lot of upside, a lot of upside. And then you've got Mike Davis stepping in on short notice against uh, Thomas Gifford, and he's come in as a pretty big favorite, which is surprising to me. But Mike Davis has been known as one of the better regional prospects in uh, in this region for some time, and it's good to see him get an opportunity in the UFC. He lost on the Contender Series to uh, Sadiq Youssef, and uh, Sadiq Youssef, in my opinion, is probably the best fighter to ever come out of the Contender Series. So, uh, you know, can't really knock him for that. And then it's Crone Gracie versus Cub Swanson, and uh, I think that uh, looking at uh, this particular one, I think Swanson is a is a pretty solid bet. I think Swanson by decision at plus three hundred five. Is something that could uh, could very well happen here, so that's another one to take a look at if you're looking 
um, at the lines for this particular event. Mackenzie Dern, a very small favorite in her fight against Amanda Rebus, which is also kind of surprising to me. Dern by submission is plus 115. And Dern inside the distance is plus 130. So uh, that's weird. But be that as it may, <laughs> we she is uh, coming into the UFC off of a... Basically giving birth four months ago, which is pretty inspiring that she's able to come back at UFC fight night in Tampa Bay, given those circumstances. And I think it's a very, very impressive, impressive thing that she's doing Um, just four months after giving birth, coming back and competing in the UFC. She clearly has the itch for it and is hungry to get back. And she joins us now on the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by Mackenzie Dern, making her comeback to the UFC four months after having a baby girl. Uh, First off, congratulations on becoming a mom. Uh, Why were you so eager to come back to the Octagon just four months after giving birth? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, You know, like, that's like one of the biggest questions everyone asked me, but um, like my pregnancy was a surprise. So before I was pregnant, I was already trying to fight and, you know, I was, I had, fought in Rio in May, and then I was trying, like, talking to the UFC, okay, I want to fight October, I want to fight November, but I wasn't getting cleared by the UFC because I didn't make weight in May, they really, like, were on top of me with the weight thing, so I was kind of, like, a little bit, like, dismotivated, um, but I kept trying to talk to the UFC to get me to clear me for October and clear me for November, and then I found out I was, like, three months pregnant, you know, so I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so, um, like, during my whole pregnancy, of course, I enjoyed and I had fun and everything, um, but inside, you know, I was like, oh man, I'm missing being there in Octagon. I can't wait to get back. It wasn't like, okay, I'm, I'm done with my career. I did everything I want to do. And I'm having like my babies. It was like, no, I can't wait to be back. Like during my whole pregnancy. So of course, as soon as I, as she was born, I was like, are you sending message to my manager saying like, Hey, okay, the weight's good. Um, cleared by the doctor. I can get, I can get back in, you know, and then we were able to get this fight. So I, I'm really happy about that. You know, people are always asking about your weight cuts, but as a new mom, it's probably easier this time around. According to La Leisha League, uh, the calories that you burn from nursing are about like 500 to 700 calories a day. So on top of working out, do you feel like that might be why you're so light already? For sure, for sure. I don't have like 100%, but I mean, I'm breastfeeding. And I mean, I do formula too because the UFC was scared like that my daughter would not get as many nutrients because um, I think they thought I was going to have to be like hardcore diet. But the weight's just falling off. You know, I do, like, one training, and then I think my metabolism just keeps going. And then, like, of course, at night, you know, she's, like, eating, she has breastfeeding. So that's, like, 1,000 calories during the night, you know. She's twice doing that, you know. And, um, yeah, the, just the, week, the weight keeps coming off. So I was like, man, I need to bring my daughter with me to fight week, you know, so I can keep breastfeeding and keep the weight coming off. Now, this is obviously the first time you've had a fight um, as a new mother. Um, is having the baby with you good to help take your mind off of things? I know a lot of people like to be really focused during fight week, and some people like to be really distracted. Uh, how has that dynamic been? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm excited to see how we'll be on the fight, you know. Like, I don't know if during the fight I, I can say, you know, if winning, losing, or any of these things, I can, say, I can look back and say, okay, maybe this wasn't good, maybe this wasn't, uh, this was good or this was bad. But um, right now, I feel like it's such a great thing. just keeps me um, happy, you know. And especially, like, with the comeback and everything, all, all I have is critics and people just talking about everything, talking about um, my weight, talking about my fighting, talking about my freaking English, you know, talking about everything. 
so it's just like good to have my daughter with me and just her smile makes the whole week easier you know so I train to, to the open workouts uh, media, everything. It's like, okay, I can go see my daughter in the hotel room or sometimes I bring her with me to the things. And it's just like, all I'm concentrating on is her and my fighting and like technique and everything, the last the last details for the fight. I find that's one of the best things about having kids. I've, I've got three myself, including a baby daughter like you. Um, <laughs> so I, I find that when you have problems where you're worried about, you know, yourself and ego and, and people, you know, posting comments or getting you down, you look at your kids and it just all that stuff becomes an afterthought. Is that how you feel also? Yeah, exactly. Like little things that maybe would get to me before. Like, man, I I think like, man, how did I even get worked up about that before? You know, it's just so, so chill now and little things or even big things. Like everything's little compared to um, what's going on with me and her. You know, I just look at her and she's like, man, she loves me. Like as, as most as, than anything in the world, you know, so it's really great. <laughs> You also mentioned that you lost 20,000 Instagram followers when you posted about your pregnancy. Now, most people would sweat that, but you've actually lost 20,000 people who would unfollow somebody because they're pregnant. That's probably a blessing in disguise. You've, you've got that kind of toxicity out of your life. For sure, for sure. And, um, and when I came back, like, announced the fight, uh, I gained 20,000 back, you know? So it was like, uh, I think kind of like it cleaned out, you know, the kind of the, that bad energy, you know? Because for me, man... Pregnancy is such a blessing, you know, so if someone, you know, they stop fighting because of, just because of that, uh, man, it's, it was a blessing, like you said, and I think now maybe maybe the fans I have now are people, you know, maybe inspired or, you know, for, for sure probably want to see how I'm going to do, you know, but maybe they like the story, you know, like, man, okay, she's coming back four months after pregnancy and all these things, and they see how he can be still like an athlete and compete and all these things. <laughs> Now, I'm sure a lot of the people that reach out to you on social media are of the male demographic because most of the people that consume the sport are male. But have any women reached out to you to tell you that, that you've really inspired them by being able to come back, um, you know, under the circumstances of having a, a young child just four months old? For sure, for sure. Lots of girls and guys, both. I've had guys say, like, men, as a man, you know, that's so crazy. You know, I'm really inspired for everyone and girls, lots of women, um, you know, even, like, you know, younger girls, you know, girls that don't have kids yet or anything, they say, like, wow, you know, like, it's not, you know, something that you have to do and then it retires, you know? It's like, you can do it and keep being an athlete. And everyone's saying, like, man, I look in better shape than before I was pregnant, you know? So um, not for all the girls to go get pregnant, you know, and they're going to be a better fighter. But, you know what I mean? It's just um, inspiring. And I think it's really cool to see that people like the um, my story, you know, what's happening. Now, we've spoken about the, the proud grandfather, your dad, the legendary yeah. Megaton Diaz. Um, if I recall, early on in your career, he wouldn't even watch live on TV. Then he started watching on TV. Then he started coming to the arena. And now he's going to be in your corner this time. So is he excited <laughs> or is he nervous? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. You know, I think for sure he's excited. You know, um, I think it's um, even though like was he didn't want his daughter to get like punched in the face. And he, for him, he'd wish I would stay jiu-jitsu. Uh, now, like... For him to be, you know, doing fight week with me and see everything that goes into it and seeing like, and I think it's good that the time that he's in my corner is actually the time that I'm not suffering. You know, that was one time, one of the things that um, I kind of didn't want him to be in my corner because I didn't want to see my dad suffering going through all the weight cuts. And I think that's hard for any parent to see their kid go through, you know, so um, I'm happy that like the one, the first time that he's in my corner, I don't have to go to the sauna. I don't have to do anything. He sees me like happy and that's good, you know, so we just have good vibes and the whole family, and he, he's excited for sure. So what made you uh, come up to the, I guess, come up with the decision to have him in your corner? How did that come about? Um, 
And I mean, I think because Rio um, was like my first submission in the UFC and he was there, you know, like he watched live and everything. And then, um, you know, like you said, he's such a proud grandfather and I knew I was going to bring more with me. Um, and then just coming back, you know, coming back after being 10 months away, I trained a lot, a lot like my wrestling, my Muay Thai. Um, of course, I trained Jiu-Jitsu, but I focus a lot on my Muay Thai and wrestling because Jiu-Jitsu I've been doing my whole life, you know, so it would be like the first thing that will come back to me, you know, like it comes back pretty easy to me. Um, so I just thought like, hey, you know, he's been my coach, my Jiu-Jitsu coach my whole life. Um, I don't think there's no one else, no one else better that knows me. Um, and my jiu-jitsu and what I'm thinking than him, you know. So for my first fight back, I said, like, man, Dad, you know, you, you want to be in my corner? And then he said, are you sure? You know, I said, yeah, are you sure? And he said, yeah, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so Michelle Watterson's headlining this card. That's kind of fitting given uh, that you are a new mom. Uh, her goal has always been to become the first mom champ, but I feel like the race is on. I feel like so many women in the UFC <laughs> that have children are trying to be, become the first mom champ. Is that something that inspires you as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been talking to her here. We did, like, um, we went on the bus to the open workouts together. Um, you know, we've been, like, in the, we're in the same workout room, you know. So it's really cool to see um, to see her and kind of listen to her story and everything. And definitely she's the one, I think, who started the whole mom camp. And um, she's for sure, like, the closest there. Um, and it's just everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, trying to get to that mom camp goal. It's really, really inspiring. I know that um, you, you are mutual friends with uh, somebody who's been training with Joanna and Jacek, uh, Gizari Matuda. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. Oh, yeah, right. Gizari. Uh-huh. So have you, have you uh, chatted at all with, uh, with Joanna this week um, coming into uh, this, the main event? No, no, I haven't talked to her. I know she's been, like, really focused on her weight cut and just um, getting her training in for to make weight and to do that stuff. So um, just with Gizari, I've been talking to her a lot. She came and hung out with Moa, my daughter. Um, and we're taking pictures and just hanging out. But I know Joanna's really focused, and um, she's just um, doing her thing. What have you heard about that? Obviously, there was a report yesterday out of Brazil um, that uh, ESPN verified as well that uh, she, she mentioned to the UFC two, three weeks ago that she might not be able to make weight for this uh, particular event. Did you come into play at all? And, and what have you heard just uh, being on the ground there? Uh, no, no one said anything to me like, uh, I think that's just typical, like, oh, Mackenzie's not going to make weight, probably, and if Joanna doesn't make weight, maybe they'll just fight each other, you know? So I think um, people are just kind of expecting that I wasn't going to make weight. Um, but, yeah, no, it hasn't come to me at all or anything like that about fighting her or, I don't know, t- any type of um, change in that. But I think she's going to make weight, you know? From what I've been hearing, she's um, weight, her weight starts to come off and she's going to make weight, so... Um, I, I, I think we'll see that fight, and I think so. everyone's going to be so excited to watch this fight. You've heard from some people on the ground that she's probably going to make weight. That's the way it's trending? Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I heard from here. All right. Well, that's, that's good news for the people in Tampa, because I'm sure that a lot of people that had bought tickets to this event were probably sweating <laughs> when they read that news yesterday. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's always great speaking with you, Mackenzie. Uh, best of luck tomorrow. Maybe you should get on the scale at like 112, 113, just to make everybody be quiet going forward. <laughs> yeah, 112 and put Moa on my, on my shoulder, you know, if I wave with her. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. That would be fun. <laughs> then, then if yeah, people question you so your weight, you can be like, I was 112 with Moa. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Mackenzie. Best of luck tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. That was Mackenzie Dern, a very inspiring story. Just four months after giving birth, coming back into the octagon to face a very, very challenging opponent in her own right, Amanda Rebus.
And that's why the odds are so close. People uh, have a lot of faith in Rebus and her game. Very impressive win over Emily Whitmire in her debut. So with all this drama going down in Tampa Bay, I wanted to touch base with somebody who's on the ground there, somebody who's been covering all of this. Ioana Jacek gave him the stink eye during the media day scrum when uh, he asked about her weight, and he said, how confident are you that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning? Well, he's awake. Mike Bond, he made it through the night. And he's here with us now on the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by Mike Bond. Mike, Joanna was uh, confident that you would make it through the night, and you did. So congratulations. I know. I woke up this morning, uh, you know, heartbeat intact and everything. So, yeah, fight week continues. <laughs> that, was a, that was an interesting little moment there. I wanted to talk to somebody who's on the ground in Tampa, because this week has been a big drama show, as uh, Triple G has called it in the past. Ioanni and Jacek, the report is that she wanted this fight at a catchweight. Watterson said no. They were exploring other opponents for Ioanna, other opponents for Watterson. They were thinking of moving Watterson. But now we're back to square one. It looks like Ioanna's going to try to make weight. But what had you heard throughout the week uh, leading up to, I guess, today? I mean, from, like, kind of similar things that came out, but really, like, once we got here, like, it seems like really the, the major drama that was unfolding was, like, Monday and Tuesday. Um, you know, I, Angela Hill has been kicking around here and I've had the chance to speak with her and she was like more or less ready to go. And she told me that like the three things that she kind of heard, the potential options were like one, she would maybe fight Joanna at 125, two, she could fight Watterson at 115 or three, like the fight would be scrapped altogether and she wouldn't fight anyone. So like she was just kind of here in limbo. She's of course cornering uh, Lauren Mueller, who's on the undercard fighting JJ Aldridge and uh, yeah, she was just saying, like, she was kind of the one who was speaking most about it. You talked to, like, Michelle, and she was kind of concerned, but she, you know, publicly speaking, she would be confident that there was going to go forward. And then Joanna was just, you know, you, I'm sure if anyone saw that scrum, that scrum at Open Workouts, you kind of saw her demeanor towards it. But today, uh, Media Day, which we just wrapped up a few minutes ago, Joanna seemed to be in a pretty good place. I mean, she looked not too bad. She was drinking water uh, during her scrum. She seemed to be in relatively good spirits. My expectation will be both of them make weight tomorrow and we move forward with this fight. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. Like Michelle called it uh, when she was describing the situation. She's like, I think Joanna just had a moment of weakness here, like a few weeks out, maybe, you know, who knows what happened. And, you know, sometimes that happens to us fighters, but it seems like she has gotten past it and she's going to do everything she can in this next you know what 18 or so hours until uh the official weigh-ins to make sure she hits that 116 mark now mike dolce alluded to it being possibly something to have to do with uh, george lockhart have you heard anything along those lines i haven't i've tried to look into that a little bit um everyone around joanna is pretty tight-lipped in terms of like who she was actually working with so yeah i haven't been able to get clarification that's one of those things i'm sure um they would probably be more willing to speak about post-fight. But right now, she doesn't really seem interested in speaking anything on those exact terms. Is Angela Hill going to weigh in? Uh, no, she, she's not. I think she has been officially waved off. And um, there's no... Because, like, what, what is she going to weigh in at? Is she going to weigh in at 125? Is she going to weigh in at 115? Like, she... Uh, yeah, I think, like, there was really about 24 hours or so uh, where she believe this might happen for her but i saw her last night at the hotel restaurant she was eating like fries and a sandwich and stuff so i don't think she's um gonna be fighting on saturday so you're saying she's trying to make 125 <laughs> maybe, maybe you never know but no i think uh 
yeah, she might have had a, a beverage with some uh, alcohol in it, too. So I, I don't think she's fighting at this point. Well, USADA doesn't test for that, but it wouldn't preclude her from fighting. But I, I hear what you're saying. True, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... It appears to me that what happened, I guess, was a couple of weeks ago, Joanna had mentioned to the UFC that there, there might be a complication, there might be a hiccup, and that they, they, I guess, went to Watterson. Like, this is the way I kind of interpret it, is they went to Watterson and said, Joanna's having issues, would you accept the catchweight? She said no. They go back to Joanna and say that she said no, and then they just kind of move forward as if she's going to get on the scale. Uh, is that what you take away from it? Because just because Joanna requested a catchweight doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And I mean... Fair play to her, I guess you don't really, you don't know if you don't ask in those type of situations. But yeah, I mean, I completely understand Michelle's perspective for this whole thing. I mean, she's probably, like at this point, you know, she's been a strawweight for a long time, but she probably should be fighting at Adam weight. And she, I bet she would if the UFC had that weight class. That's where she was the champion in Invicta. And Joanna's last fight was just at 125. And before the UFC, she fought a lot at 125. That's pretty much just being the bulk of her UFC career. That's been at 115. So like, Watterson has been working so hard for this moment. I mean, she's put together a three-fight winning streak. She felt she deserved the title shot, but this is kind of the next best thing given how that division unfolded. And like to put all that work in and then kind of give someone, you know, that space to maybe, you know, because they didn't do the right things in camp or they had something come up. Like she doesn't owe Joanna that. She doesn't owe her anything. So why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense from Michelle's perspective. Um, of course, like the only thing maybe that would hinder it is like, okay, well, if I don't agree to this, I might not be able to fight, period. But as you said off the top, they were exploring other options for her. Uh, may have not been on this card, but she probably would have been fighting in the next you know, month or so, whatever it may have been. So I completely understand Michelle's perspective. Joanna, uh, I mean, it doesn't really seem anyone's being able to get to the bottom of exactly what happened here. Uh, again, I hope it's something she'll be more willing to speak about post-fight. We'll see. Um, depending on the result of this fight. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand, like, why the way both of them approach the situation, but didn't work out for Joanna, and she's going to have to do her damnedest to make 116 tomorrow, and if she doesn't, she's going to have to give up her percentage of her purse. Yeah, I spoke to her about two hours ago, and it seemed like she... Well, I mean, it didn't seem like she did acknowledge that there was an issue that came up a couple weeks ago that might have made it difficult for her to make weight. But she also said that she now has extra motivation by people doubting her that that she can't make weight to get her to to make that weight. And uh, Mackenzie Dern said she had heard from people on the ground that she was trending towards being on weight. Now, a lot of people, when I when I put this out, tweeted that, you know, you know, Joanna shouldn't need extra motivation, blah, 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 blah. I think that what people are failing to realize is that when Joanna again, requests that it's a catchweight. That doesn't mean that it's A, it's going to be a catchweight, and B, I think it's okay to have bulletin board material. I think anything that can inspire you to perform both you know, at making weight and in the fight is something that Joanna Janjacek has in the past really thrived on. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's a completely fair point. Um, that makes sense. It's obviously, like, yeah, she's been in so many championship fights, high-profile fights. Um, she's been competing for so long. I mean, she's kind of you know, a little bit of a broken record this week talking about, you know, I've been doing this for 16 years and like I took 10 months off and people are like, you know, saying it was a long way off, but I've been, you know, always fighting nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. So you've been doing that for so long. I imagine some days it's hard to get up. Yeah, this is like an important fight. It's her return to strawweight. Hopefully if she makes it to be a title shot online, I mean, she claims the UFC has promised her a title shot. It seems like she, you know, should have enough motivation there, enough bulletin board material as you put it, but it never hurts to have more. I mean, it's not 
the end of the world. We know these fighters are pretty unique people and whatever it takes to get you out of bed or convince you to do this or that, um, I guess use that motivation however you can. Any other things standing out to you from this week in in Tampa? Any fights stand out or any storylines of anything that's going on behind the scenes that uh, people might not know about? Um, well, Amanda Rebaz is maybe the happiest person I've ever met in my entire life. She's just being like a joy to be around anytime we can talk to her this week. She's just been great. Obviously, this is Mackenzie Dern's opponent. And uh, Mackenzie, you know, it's been interesting seeing her. I mean, she's talked about, she said she was 118 uh, right now. And that's, you know, two pounds to make straw weight. So she, it seems like maybe the weight cut stuff is in the past for her, uh, which is obviously good to hear. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think those two strawweight fights are kind of really compelling. Uh, Crone Gracie, I'm interested to see him again. Obviously, you know, big fight for Cub Swanson, too. I mean, four losses in a row, uh, five. Not many people get that leash in the UFC. I could see him being one of the few to maybe get another fight if this one doesn't go his way. But, yeah, that's like a really compelling fight. Crone Gracie, obviously, it's been a long time since. He made his debut earlier this year, but it's been you know, quite a big break. But I know he wanted from day one, like he wanted for his debut a fight like this. He wanted a Cup Swanson, like notable top echelon featherweight, if you want to call it that. And he didn't get it. He obviously ended up getting Alex Caceres, but UFC fight number two, he gets that. And I'm really, really interested to see how he performs. All right, Mike. Mike Bond of MMAJunkie.com, USA Today. Uh, thank you for your insights on this uh, great card coming up in Tampa. I, I personally think that all of the stuff that's been coming out about Joanna has added so much more intrigue to this card. Uh, am I alone on that? No, 100%. I mean, like, like you said, not just as the fighters, you need your bulletin board material, but as fans, as media and stuff. Like This is this has been good. It's stuff that's been clicking you know, for us over at MMA Junkie. Um, yeah, like, you know, when you're putting on... 42 UFC events a year and then there's Bellator and PFL and all these other things going on like you pretty much anything you can get to make you know a fight or a card feel a little different or have some extra spice to it is a good thing so that's kind of what we ended up falling into this week. Well I'll tell you your weigh-in numbers tomorrow in terms of live stream might be uh, higher than normal let's just put it that way. Yes looking forward to that one for sure. All right Mike thanks for your time. Appreciate it Aaron. That was Mike Bond, and we've got a surprise, a guest that uh, is joining us kind of with some late notice, but uh, joining us nonetheless. He's in the main event of UFC Fight Night in Singapore. It takes place in just about two weeks' time. He'll be headlining against Demian Maia in the battle of two of the best grapplers in UFC history. A phenomenal wrestler, uh, an Olympian, and, uh, of course, Demian Maia, who's one of the best grapplers ever. Crazy stat in terms of Demian Maia and his output and some of his wins. He has wins where he's landed 3, 0, 1, 13, 12, 15, 1, 6, 2, 3. That amount of strikes in, in wins. A very, very, very high-level grappler. And uh, Ben Askren, a very high-level grappler in his own right. Um, he hasn't landed any strikes in his UFC career, and he's 1-1. One one. So he's, he's been able to do something similar to what Damian Maia has done as well. Now, of course, he didn't have much of an opportunity to throw strikes in his last fight against Jorge Masvidal. It only lasted five seconds, and Jorge Masvidal has now ascended to one of the top stars in the sport, you know, building a name off of uh, the back of Ben Askren, who was you know, the, the, the new kid on the block, the undefeated guy. But uh, he has suffered his first loss, and... Uh, now he goes into another main event opportunity, actually his first main event opportunity, uh, the first non-pay-per-view fight that he has 
as he takes on Damian Maya in Singapore, uh, where he has fought several times in the past for one championship. And he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by the funky one himself, Ben Askren. So, Ben, uh, you know, obviously you're coming off your first loss. You handled it really, really well. But do you feel any different? Does Ben Askren today feel any different than the Ben Askren that fought Jorge Masvidal, you know, a couple months back? No, don't feel any different whatsoever. So now you're going into a fight with Demian Maia. This is a high-level chess match. I mean, this is wrestling versus um, jiu-jitsu 101. Uh, what's the key here? I mean, are you planning on taking him down, or do you want to stand with him? Uh, well, I'm going to fight him wherever the fight happens to be. And I think the one thing that I've uh, said is that I'm not going to I'm not going to dive in on takedowns like I have in previous fights because I didn't respect my wrestling, uh, my opponent's wrestling and, and grappling chops. With Damien, you, you got to stand point and be uh, really, really good at what you do. So, you know, you see better stats on my takedowns. I need to execute my takedowns all the way through to controlling jiu-jitsu type positions. And uh, if I do that, it'll be good to go. Now, I, I made this point um, when this fight was announced, and people called me an idiot. Now, I'd like you to tell me if I am indeed an idiot for this, this take. Oh, yes. Man. So I, uh, I said that this fight, as, you know, as we've seen with Damian Maya when he's fighting high-level wrestlers, could mostly take place on the feet. Um, it could mostly be a striking battle. Um, do you, A, think that would be advantageous to you, and B, am I an idiot for thinking that that's how this fight could go down? Well, I mean, you're definitely right in saying that other ones against wrestlers have taken place on the feet because Damian hasn't been able to get the takedowns. And Damian does like to control top position, obviously, and get takedowns. And he hasn't been able to take those high-level wrestlers. I don't think he'll be able to take me down. So then the only other factor there is the other wrestlers have not wanted to take him down, um, which I, I don't think will be the case. Um, I will... Uh, I will be able to get takedowns. I just think I'm going to execute them uh, really, really nicely and in a good position for myself. Now, one thing about Damien is that off of his back, he's never been that much of a threat um, to those that he's been unable to sweep. Now, obviously, his sweeps are, are one of the big assets if somebody yeah. who's a less experienced wrestler yep. takes him down. Do you feel like your top control um, is, is at a level that's so elite that he wouldn't be able to, to land those kind of sweeps on you? Yeah, he's got, he's got a great half guard, great sweep game. Um, definitely something that I've looked into uh, and practiced and drilled over and over and over again. And so, yes, I, I think I'll be able to maintain top control. And uh, just gotta, you got to mind your feet. He's good at what he does. You have to mind your feet and cues. One person that falls into that category of the high-level wrestlers that have been able to neutralize Demian Maya is Tyron Woodley, who, who kind of cracked the code with Maya. Are you working with him a lot on this fight? Uh, he's not here in, in, uh, Milwaukee. That being said, you know, for that Damian Maya fight, I'm sorry, for the time for Damian Maya fight, I was Damian Maya. You know, I, I studied his tendencies and habits and what he did and how, and his sequences and what takedowns he did. And so, you know, I, I feel like I got to know his game really, really well. Um, and you know, I tried to be Damian to Tyron the best I could be. You do a show now on Rockfin. It's a, a new kind of um, subscription service that's generated by a lot of different uh, influencers uh, in, a di- for, in different spaces. You do it with FRB. Now, we get to hear your opinions in a lot of interviews. You, you do a lot of them. But where's FRB been? I haven't heard much from this guy in, in some time. I know he's uh, got a bit of a moniker on Twitter, but he's not as outspoken as he used to be. Is, is he saving it all for this show? Well, it's, uh, Twitter banned him. No, yeah, he got banned from Twitter. Yeah, but he's got he's got an alias, you know. I, I'm 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 in on the FRB game. I know what's going uh, yeah, on. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his alias is. Uh, the, the, you're playing with me here. You know what his alias is. 
No, I don't. He's got an alias? Yeah, he's got another Twitter account, a new Twitter account. But we're, but he's not as oh, – we, we don't get to hear his opinions. I, I mean, Anyways, I, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's a guy I've got to know through the years of mixed martial arts. Um, we ha- you know, he's got a good opinion on mixed martial arts, both uh, the fighting side of it and then the business side of it as well. He kind of get, gets it and understands the game. And so, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun to be able to hop on and chat with him uh, on and off about whatever the events are going on. And Roxanne's doing a great job. Um, uh, of building their website and, and rewarding content creators properly, not like you should say YouTube does. Um, so yeah, it's going really well so far. Now, when he does the show with you, he doesn't he doesn't down like a six pack before that. Because I've gone for drinks with this guy, and that's not that's not the guy you want to do a podcast with. The guy that's had too many, especially FRB. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not with I'm not with him. Right, he's in North Carolina, and so uh, I I cannot say for certainty how much he does or not does not drink. Uh, prior to uh, prior to coming. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, Anthony Pettis, you mentioned um, back during UFC 241, he there was a video that came out of him talking to Yoel Romero saying that he was really happy about what happened with Jorge Masvidal. Have you spoken with him since then? Have you guys cleared the air on that? With George Masvidal? He was talking to Yoel Romero about, you know, said he was happy about uh, Jorge Masvidal. Oh, Anthony yeah. Pettis. Well, Anthony yeah, yeah. Pettis. Yes, yes, we're, we're good. Yeah, we cleared the air. Okay, good. That's all good then? Settled? No worries? Yeah. Okay. Settled. How often are you at Rufus Sport uh, for this camp? Are you doing most of your training uh, outside of Rufus Sport, or are you back in the gym? Um, yeah, I, I, do all, I, do all of, I do all of my training exclusively at Rufus Sport Academy, uh, and I, I bring people in to go with me there. Okay, so who, have, who are some of the people that have been coming in, and uh, has Duke Rufus been part of this camp as well? Yep, Duke's been there. Uh, Gerald Nearshart, Mike Rose, Mark Lehman, Jordan Newman, uh, Dan Borovic, and then my strength conditioning coach, Chris Aylo, would be the That'd be the crew. So I'm guessing Dan is probably the one that you're having emulate a lot of what Demian Maya does on the ground? You know Dan? Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's a local uh, jiu-jitsu player, correct? Yeah, he, he's freaking, he's a beast. He's so good, yeah. Um, Colby Covington is another person I want to talk to you about. Now, you, you're into, you, you know what it takes to have a good gimmick, what it takes to get people engaged. Do you feel like he's blown it? Do you feel like the gimmick has gone way too far for him and now he's alienated people in his camp and uh, it's starting to really implode? Well, I mean, but that's, the gimmick doesn't have anything to do with your camp, right? Um, the, 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 the camp is like, that's like who you really, those guys know who you really are. And I'll tell you this, everywhere Colby's ever been, he's not gotten good reviews. No matter where he's been, people kind of think he's a dick and a douchebag, and I think now the same thing is happening at ATT. Why didn't we hear about any of this before? I mean, Colby, if you watch old interviews with him, he's very respectful well, to people. Who... People, people, don't like, people don't like talking about those type of things, right? Um, but eventually, eventually, it usually works its way out, and, uh, and it did. Do you think that he can still go into ATT and... and practice with a clear head when he knows that there's hostility around him? Yeah, I'm sure he gets it worked out. This past weekend, Israel Adesanya, you made the declaration after the fact that we've got a superstar among us. I said something similar. I said, you know, since Conor McGregor, we haven't seen somebody come in and do so much so fast at such a high level uh, on such a big stage. A lot of people said, well, why are you comparing him to Conor? But it's, it's more the, the process that I'm comparing. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you think that we have somebody that's, that's really special here in our midst? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I think they're all intangibles. 
necessary to be a superstar. How big do you think he can get? Do you think he can get to Connor levels, or do you think that that's an anomaly that we might not see again for a long, long time? Well, it's a, it's a, you know, Connor level's pretty tough, but he, he's at a pretty high level of superstardom, I believe. Now, one last thing I want to talk to you about is cryptocurrency. I know nothing about cryptocurrency. I tried to buy it once and had no idea how well, to go about doing it. Um, I guess you need CN- to learn. yeah. Well, CNBC mentioned something about it being like some of the trading being a hoax, and you were upset about that. But is this an easy thing to like? If I let's say it goes back down to like four thousand dollars or something, is it easy for me if yeah. I bought like two I Bitcoin? I don't think it'll ever go that low again, but you, you never know. Well, that's what people said when it was like um, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars in oh eight. Now then, it dropped back down, and now it's going back into that ten, no, eleven thousand dollar range. Seventeen, seventeen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's very, it's very volatile. There's, uh, and that's that's something. But uh, you know, there's a lot of great places. I just bought some on eToro. Uh, they're a nice website. And then, um, obviously, you could keep it on the platform, or you could send it to your own personal wallet, which uh, you know most people who own Bitcoin have um, some type of cold storage wallet, which is uh, you know kept at their house somewhere. So how easy is it to turn this in, into cash? If I want to trade it all in, let's say I'm, I'm, you know, let's say I'm happy with where I it's at. Do it in ten, ten minutes. Ten minutes, ten minutes so, or less. So the people that call this thing a hoax or whatever, yeah. it's they're full of BS then. Because if you're buying it, if I go and buy it today uh, and trade it tomorrow, have, they haven't done their research. They haven't done their research. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people. No matter what it is, it are very, very close-minded. Just kind of across the board, right? And then when we're not talking about crypto, we're talking about the world. People are closed-minded, and um, they don't like new things, and they don't like change, and this obviously falls into that category. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could put money, I could go buy Bitcoin in probably 10 minutes of finding dead, or probably like two minutes, right? I could, I could go sell in about two minutes also. So the people, why, do, why are so, people, so many people in, in business trying to take it down and trying to, to badmouth the idea of cryptocurrency? Well, I mean, you just got to... Follow the money. Who wins? If, if crypto wins, who loses? And the answer is the banks. And the banks are, well, one of the most powerful entities on planet Earth, probably the most powerful entity on planet Earth. And so you have a lot of people cheering against uh, Bitcoin. All right. Well, there you go. So you heard it here first. Uh, but, well, you didn't hear it first, if, unless you, you don't know anything about cryptocurrency. Uh, ben Askren, a big proponent. Thank uh, you, Peter. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate your time. Go and buy, uh, best of luck. Go buy some. I'll go do my eToro.com. Bitcoin specifically, or what? Which one should I get? Uh, Bitcoin's probably the safest one. Litecoin's also not one of my favorites, but yeah, you can buy any of those. All right. Well, I appreciate that. There's some financial advice for the day. Uh, ben, thank you for this. Best of luck against Demian Maya. All right. Have a good day. That was Ben Askren on the TSN MMA show. Looking forward to this coming event, UFC Fight Night in Tampa Bay, as well as Ben's event, UFC Fight Night in. Singapore, where I will wake up undoubtedly at 3 a.m., come to the office and do a periscope because I am a hero. I am the hero that the MMA community needs. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been a fun one. Thank you to Joanna and Jacek. Thank you to Mackenzie Dern, to Mike Bond, to Ben Askren. And uh, we appreciate it. We'll have Joe Valtellini back next week. And until then, save tonight and fight the break of dawn. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.